Good morning. Welcome, Center for Spiritual Living. All right. I don't see too many name badges out there today, so it'll be a mystery when we meet one another, but it'll be okay. All righty, so I invite you to um, just notice your breathing right now. I'm going to sound our gong, and we'll move into 30 seconds of silence, and I'll... Uh, sing a chant in this very room, and uh, offer a prayer. And thank you for venturing out on this crisp day. Nice to see so many here, warming the room and warming our hearts. And as we move into prayer today, too, I want to just mention that uh, one of our founding members made her transition yesterday, Gerd Poulsen, Arnie Poulsen's wife, Gerd passed away. I was at the hospital with him yesterday and uh, um, the series of events that uh, led to her transition. So I'm going to include Gerd in my opening and closing ter- uh, treatments today and also Arnie and family. I'll mention a little bit of it in my lesson today. But anyway, I just invite you to be fully present in your heart. Drop down into your the spaciousness of your heart as Paula so beautifully guided us to breathe through the back of the heart and out through the front of the heart was a beautiful visualization. So let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so what I invite you to know with me in this moment, and and I invite you to allow my words to be your words. And if they are not a good fit, just let them wash over you. But I know that there is a power and a presence. There is one life. It is a quantum field. It is a vibration of the most high. It is our higher self. And so I recognize it and I unify with that energetic. And I do it consciously. I use my words. I use the consciousness upon the words. And I use my willingness and openness to that. And I hold in the space with you right now, knowing that there is nothing but this infinite divine activity, spirit, source, God, Father, Mother, God. Offer the fullness of my heart to our beloved Arnie Poulsen, his wife, Gerd, their family. Part of the legacy, their legacy is our community, their vision, 
planting seeds. And so I'm grateful to know that for each one of us, we're guided and directed on our own journey. And for Gerd as well as she makes her transition. We support her in the unconditional love and knowing in the certainty of a trained mind that she has everything she requires in this moment, as does the family, as do we. For we choose, and when we choose consciously, this infinite divine presence is able to support us. So we stand in the clarity and the knowing of who we are and whose we are and also understand that there's an unfoldment that is right and perfect in every way that can only respond to the nature of our being. We are blessed by this beautiful tradition, by this beautiful man whose his simplicity and insight into the depths of, and the mystery of spirituality and the spiritual life. Dr. Ernest Holmes blesses us, blesses us this day. I give thanks knowing that something beautiful and powerful is happening as a result of us coming together today. Perhaps it is between the words, between the notes of the music, but it is alive and dynamic here and now, and I make myself available to its impress, to its love, to its brilliance, and to its genius. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So each of you should have received a white stone when you walked in today. It's our white stone ceremony. We did our, our um, burning bowl ceremony uh, two Sundays ago. And uh, it was quite dramatic. It was quite a flash that we ignite all those flash papers at once and make sure that the minister doesn't start on fire at the same time. But your, your white stone ceremony today, and I want you to think about that, about what it is the quality. The beginning of the month at our second service, we've been using the book um, Five by Dan Zedra, and it's about where do you want to be in five years? But what quality is important for you to, to embody and to live from in a bigger way? Because this infinite intelligence can only do for us what it can do through us, and if we don't create the channel for that, it's simply... We fall back into our memorized ways of being and habits and patterns, and the infinite presence is quite lovely, and then it will support us in that as well. So I wanted to talk about, we've been using the Science of Mind textbook, and I've got my, my leather-bound copy here, and it's um, the first four chapters, and today is the fourth chapter of how to use it. So at the beginning of this beautiful book is by Dr. Ernest Holmes. He authored this in 1926. It's how to use it. And he begins this chapter by saying that one of the great difficulties in this new order of thought is that we are likely to indulge in too much theory and too little practice. He also said that, in fact, we only know as much as we can prove by actual demonstration. And that if there's any field of research where the practical application is necessary, it is in the metaphysical field. The reason being that the principles of metaphysics seems less tangible to the average person than does the principle of other sciences. So he called the book The Science of Mind because he, he said it should be provable, that it should not just be theoretical, it should be practiced. And so practice requires consistency and effort and a willingness to, to unravel and to, be, um, to look at the way we think and the way we act and the way we do things. One of the reasons that we have been so, so supportive of bringing this Q process into our community is there's an opportunity there for shift and change. It also creates some friction, but friction is always part of giving birth to something new. So it's, a, it's apparent intangibility is lessened whenever and wherever anyone actually demonstrates the supremacy of spiritual thought force over apparent material resistance. 
So I'm, I'm, I've dived into a little bit of this idea of proving it, the three ideas today, and we'll go back to the first slide here. Is to, to, the number one is prove it. Number two is even when it's not working, it's working. And number three are genius practices. So what, what ties in beautifully with uh, Dr. Holmes' Uh, take on this is some practices, and I want to share three really powerful, simple practices that many of you perhaps already um, indulge in. So the law, the law is infinite. I've got a slide up here with this. this uh, the law is infinite. It is right where we are at any given time. It occupies all space and fills every form with differentiations of itself. The law also flows through us because it flows through everything, and since we exist, it must be in and through us. So it is, it is an intelligence, it is a wisdom, it is a mystery, it is alive, it's an aliveness. It's, it, it resources us everywhere present. We are always in it, always in it. And that's one of the challenges because many times our, the, the pattern of our life can be very, very um, uncomfortable. It can create some unhappiness. And so where is it in that? And so Dr. Holmes would would encourage us that it's not so much that it's not available to us, it's just simply we're using it at a certain level, a subjective level of our, our consciousness. He continues, by conscious thinking, we give conscious direction to it, and it consciously, unconsciously responds to our advance along the lines of our consciousness or subjective direction. It is always responding to us, always. It cannot do any other thing but respond to us. And so where, do, where could we make the change in our lives? Well, it's in our, our subjective way of being because whether we're conscious of it or not, it is always responding to us. It just has to. That's what it does. Make sense? Is that good news or bad news for you? Depends on what kind of day we're having, right? So how do we unravel that? Well, it takes practice, and I'll get into some of those genius practices that Holmes... Home supports uh, is in uh, discussing and looking at. So even when it's not working, it's working. The law we did not create. Though he talks about the law, I can only say yes. We didn't create it. It's always been. It'll always be. This law we cannot change, but we can use it correctly only as we understand and use it accordingly, according to its own nature. So when we duplicate the nature of spirit... So what happens is that, that if it's always responding to us, but we have had a history in our lives of, of um, disappointment, obstacles, um, frustration, whatever those experiences may be, and, and they can be well justified. So what, what happens when we are harboring or we're carrying with us that, those, those resentments, perhaps, or the, or the belief that we're not, we're not deserving or not good enough. What happens to us is that it limits the flow, the availability of life, the possibility. Because all it can respond to is, if the, the theme that we are um, living from is one of resentment and frustration, all we're giving that law is then frustration, limitation, lack, bitterness, resentment, and so it's, it, in the forgiveness process of self or others, what it really does is freeze ourselves. It's the activity of freeing ourselves and opening ourselves to a new possibility. So it's not about forgiving so that someone, that, that we can be more heavenly or we can be, uh, appear to, to others as, 
having changed so much as it has helped shift our inherent way of being, our embodied way of being. Holmes says this, he says, if we believe that it is not working, it really is working by appearing to not work. So when people say to you, this doesn't work, I've got plenty of brothers and sisters that say, this doesn't work. And see, the, 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 what we have to give up when we step into this tradition is we have no one to point to and blame if we really truly live from this perspective but ourselves. And so we have to give up point, finger pointing. And no one wants to do that because it's much easier to fix the blame and, than to go within and, and fix the problem. When we believe that it cannot and will not, then according to the principle, it does not. But when it does not, it still does, only according to our belief that it will not. Makes sense, huh? It's true. We may not like it, but it's true. So how do we shift and change all that? How do we make a difference so that our life becomes more and more in alignment with living from our higher self? A couple of weeks ago I talked about that we are in a realm we're in a dimension where we have the animal self and we have the higher self. And what we're doing is we're finding a way. So eventually our persona, our, our personality is the mask that we wear of the higher self. So when you look at people like the Dalai Lama, Jesus of Nazareth, they understood their humanity completely. But they lived, the mask they wore was an itinerant preacher or, or spiritual leader but the outside is simply the mask for that higher self. And those particular individuals live from that more so than perhaps the rest of us. But it doesn't mean it isn't possible. It just takes a little bit of awareness and spiritual coin. So as getting back to this idea of, of it not working, Dr. Holmes says, this is our own punishment through the law of cause and effect. So in other words, by living in limitation, by grabbing onto ideas and repeating the patterns over and over again, we actually create our own punishment. Because that's what the law of cause and effect will do for us. Esther Hicks would call it the law of attraction. I know there are a lot of people here that... So long before Esther Hicks came along to channel information, there was Dr. Ernest Holmes, a few other teachers, but they're all saying the same thing. Esther will tell you to always reach, reach for the best feeling. But many times it's difficult to reach for the best feeling. Because it's a mental activity, but it's not an embodied shift and change within ourselves. We do, not, <clears throat> we do not enter in because of our doubts and fears. It is not a punishment imposed on, by, uh, on us by the Spirit of God, but an automatic result of failing constructively to use the law of God. So all we're doing is, as Holmes said, is we don't, he doesn't, we don't punish the mathematician for not reaching the correct answer when he's, he's adding up the numbers, doing the calculations. There's no punishment involved. There's disappointment. There may be frustration on the part of the mathematician. But the punishment is, is self-generated. And it's the same idea. The law, we live in a law of, of a universe that demands balance and structure. That's the, the, the law of karma is really a law of balance, of bringing things back into balance. And so the more we can be productive and constructive in our own thinking and interaction with that law, the better chance we have of bringing balance in the present moment. So as Dr. Gary Simmons has said to me many times, that enlightenment is really the trigger and the gratitude simultaneous. In other words, that a trigger happens, and then we don't have to even go do a cue sheet. We simply can go right to gratitude. Oh, look at this. This is a pattern that's come to teach me something. 
If anybody here, does anybody here have a family of origin? Like a mom and a dad, brothers and sisters? I have seven sisters, and they are the most amazing trigger triggers, <laughs> even to this day. And so what, what is, my journey with them has been one of, of, of deep looking and asking questions. It wasn't always that way. It was just frustration and anger and all the things that go along with that. So Dr. Holmes says we should learn to control our thought process and bring them into line with reality. And reality is a capital R. It's one of the terms he uses for this presence, for spirit, for God. He tried to get us away from this anthropomorphic God, this old man with a beard up on a cloud looking down. But bring it in line with reality. In other words, to live from our higher self. And for each one of us, we access that in different ways. Dr. Uh, Gary um, just sent a couple of uh, four videos out, Dr. Gary Simmons, uh, and, and explaining the mission-centric uh, ministry. And in it, talked about one of the next steps for us once we have enough people through the Q process and it becomes part of our culture. So if you're not familiar with the Q process, it's an amazing uh, opportunity to step in and I would encourage you to, to uh, rearrange your schedule so you can be with us. But there's actually a process in it called the geogram or genogram. And the genogram is actually looking at the history of a community and all of the unhealed things that go on in a community. So what happens for us, let me just use the, the, the community as an example of your family. But what happens every time a minister comes into a community and a minister leaves, the majority of people's abandonment issues get triggered. And so what happens then is every time a new minister comes in, they inherit all of that energy, all of that trapped energy. And over a period of time, unless there's a mechanism in place, uh, it builds and builds. And so what happens with uh, one of the next steps that we're going to enter into this genogram is to go back, look at our history, look at the transitions, look at the, the unresolved issues that still linger. And we have a cue card in the cue process. For those of you that know what the cue process is, you develop a cue card, which is basically who did you come here not to be and who did you come here to be? So as a community, who did we come here to be? And we have this beautiful, beautiful tradition. And the more, the, the, the more <clears throat> house cleaning we can do for ourselves, the more house cleaning I can do for myself, I have the opportunity to live more and more from my higher self and to be of service. My, I'm interested in service. I'm interested. I look out at the world. I look at my grandchildren coming along. I look at the, the struggles that go on in the world. And I would like to be part of the, the solution rather than more of the problem. And so I know that when I'm, when I'm engaged in a, in a disciplined and orderly way of moving forward, I have a better chance of doing that. Does it solve all the world problems? No. But it allows me a vehicle and a pathway to move forward where I can be consistent and have practices that I know help bring me back to that place of enlightenment where the trigger happens and I can go to, immediately to the gratitude. And it's not impossible. It's the things that all the great teachers have demonstrated. Dr. Holmes said we should learn to control our thought process and bring it into line with reality. We should be able to look at a discordant fact in the face and deny its reality. And that's part of what we do, is to be able to look at what's unfolding in our lives and realize it's a fact, but facts change all the time based on consciousness. Since we know what seeming reality is borrowed from illusion, from chaos and old night, from old ideas, and from chaotic thought and thinking and ways of being. 
He says this, the one who wishes scientifically to work out his or her problems must daily take the time to meditate and mentally treat the condition, no matter what the apparent conditions may be. This law will find an outlet in our faith. So he talks about making this a daily practice. So I want to share with you three genius practices that I found online. We live in an amazing world where practices are available. We can Google something and find things and, and get information. So genius practices. Number one is to reflect. Every day to reflect. And I'll flesh these out with you a little bit more. But every day to reflect. To do some meaningful, reflect, uh, meaningful reflection. Number two, to read 20 minutes per day. Number three is to focus for 30 minutes per day. And number four is to start today. Start right now. So this idea of reflecting, asking ourselves deep questions every day. Now, everyone probably spends 10 minutes a day reflecting. But do you do it deeply? What are the questions you're asking yourself? Remember a few weeks back, I offered the question, what's here now when there's nothing to solve? Because it's an open-ended question. What's mine to do here? What is my divine purpose? Why have I taken form at this point in time in life? Why am I here? Why am I doing these things? but to do some deep reflecting for 10 minutes. This is, and so these are genius practices. So they've looked at people like Madame Curie and, and um, uh, Van Gogh, Mozart, all geniuses. But what they've discovered is that they weren't just simply born geniuses. There was a lot of work. There was a lot of time and energy spent in areas to help develop and nurture the genius so it could come forth and share gifts and talents. So one of the things they found is that these particular people and many people that we would consider geniuses weren't born that way to develop the capacity. Dr. Holmes said when we, we wish to uh, specifically work out our problems, we must daily take time to meditate and mentally treat the condition. So to look deeply at our lives and look at the patterns and look at the patterns of our family that have been gifted to us. Just like a community. Our families are communities. What, what unresolved issues are we carrying epigenetically? Because we are affected by it. And so to look at it, as Holmes said, we must look at it and deny it its energy. Look at a thing until it no longer has power over us. So so important to do this because there's a genius within everyone that is seeking expression. And if we don't draw that out from one another and from ourselves, we all lose. So this idea of reflecting and reflecting deeply and asking those questions and working with those deeper questions. What's lo- what wants to be healed here? What wants to be healed here? That's a question that I work with every day. What wants to be healed here? What is unfolding? What is happening that is, that is longing for this, this, this healing? The 20 minutes of reading. Are you reading something that is stretching you and expanding you and deepening your capacity and connecting with that divine presence. So you may not know right now, but you have your slate. What quality, what quality would stretch you this year? Could be really simple. What value would stretch you as you take this? Hopefully, in the white slate tile is when people were released from prison in Roman days. They were given a clean slate. So we burned the past a couple weeks ago with the flash paper, or we attempted to. I wish it was that easy. We could just come together and burn paper, and that would be it. There wouldn't be any examination. Because we do want to reach for the good. We do want to live from the good. 
And so the tendency, one of the traps that we fall into as metaphysicians that I've seen is that we always want to dwell on the good. And as Holmes said, that when in, in, he gives great illustrations in this chapter. And he said, if you, are, if you are suffering from lack and limitation, all the affirmations in the world aren't going to shift that until you do some deeper work. He, under, he understood that. Because then all we're doing is announcing. And we're not practicing. And so how can we practice? We're not going to shift and change perhaps all of it overnight. Although I'd like to think that as well. But what piece, what small thing can you do in 2018 that will help shift and change? We're launching the season for nonviolence downtown. And anyone that can, is going to plan on being there on Tuesday, I have some, I have some homework I'm, I'm casting right now. I need some help. So if you're available Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, I've got a little bit of, I've got some assignments. So if you're going to be there and, and like to participate in a more meaningful way, let me know. I've got, I still have roles available. <clears throat> and I have, I'll have that information as a, at the, the doorway on the way out. But it's exciting. It's exciting. And we're teaming with the Metro Center. And we're going to, we have some rituals and some things because we want to start taking a stand as a, as a movement. And who knows what lives will be changed. You know, five people show up or 500 people show up. It, it, it's about the consciousness. It's about the intention. Take a stand for nonviolence. And all of these things that we read about in the paper are forms of violence, whether they be words or deeds. So reading for 20 minutes a day, but reading something that will take you to a depth of being like never before. Reading something that is rich and powerful and wonderful. To reflect for 10 minutes a day, because not because it pays... Oh, why do you do the things you do? Because it pays the bills, or is it my passion? Those are good places to start, but what's the point? What about the world is it that excites you? And what do you not like about it? And how much of your ideal life are you living? So you've got your tile here for the ideal life. I know exactly what my quality is this year. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. But it's just because I've been working with it. What, is, what, what am I going to work with this year? And I looked around my environment and I realized if I could shift this piece, everything would change. 20 minutes a day. There's something magical about books. Now, you can go on the Internet. I'll tell you, there's something magical about books. They're just, I'm so grateful for books. I'm so grateful for authors that you can't duplicate online. I can't. And it comes from the depths that many authors are able to portray. Who's your favorite author? Maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you don't have one. Someone told me that millennials don't uh, read. And that's okay. I don't believe that. Maybe they're not reading right now. They'll get their information another way. But for me, books are, are so precious. Reading is also as much about the tangents of thought that arise in your own mind as it is about whatever the writer is trying to tell you. See, in other words, when we read, we start to reflect. And things start to move and change for us. And, and it's, it's inspired by that author, but then it takes us somewhere that perhaps we would never go to read you know, beautiful, beautiful things. Do you know that if you were to read for 20 minutes or about 15 pages of a book every day, that by the end of the year you'd have completed between 15 and 20 books? Isn't that great? 20 minutes a day. To dive in, read, buy a science of mind textbook. Every time I pick this guy's book up here, I'm just, I'm just floored by the, the wisdom on each page. Why isn't this working for me? Well, because you're not working it. It's not that it doesn't work. I don't work. So let's get our act together. How to use it. Such beautiful stuff in here. and Great illustrations and insights. But there's a consciousness upon this book. 
Is it the only book like that? No, but it's a beautiful book. And it's solid and it leaves us enough room to create and invite and give birth to something that's beautiful and possible. It isn't an exaggeration to say that a single book, a single book at the right time can completely change your life. So how do you find that book? What if you got with a practitioner or you wrote yourself a great affirmative prayer or you set a great intention and you just stuck with it that said, I am guided right here and right now to the right and perfect book for 2018 that will change my life. And then you go about your business. You go to work and all this. And one, I'll tell you what, that book's going to show up in your life. <clears throat> and that's a beautiful thing. That's abundance. There's a greater return on time and money invested when we read for 20 minutes a day and we do meaningful reading than any other activity. And the third thing, focus for 30 minutes per day. So when we focus and really focus, I'm going to take 30 minutes today and focus on something that's really important to me that, that aligns with my tile. My tile this year. You want me to know, know my word? Uh, then you'll steal my word. I don't want you to know you. It's a simple word. It's only five letters. It's beautiful. My word is order this year. Order in every area. If you notice, we've done a lot of things around here. We've created area in the back to sit and have coffee. We have coffee ready when you come in. It's taken us, it takes time to shift the culture. We've moved our crystal bedroom, and oh my gosh, Lisa Parade, she's got people going in and out of that crystal bedroom like never before. It's amazing. And our, our room that we used to have the crystal bed in now is our, back to our prayer room. So it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I want to thank Dan Horrigan and his son, Colin, and Steve Sandy and Mark Coleman. They, they were here. We, ha- we have half the floor wax. Steve went out and rented the equipment and got the boys to strip all the wax. So this half is waxed from that line over, and we're going to get this half this week. But it's beautiful to watch. It's order. We've taken on all those busy banners. I had a guy come in, I don't know, six weeks ago and said, what happened to all the banners? I said, well, they've been down for about nine months. I said, it is regular, steady customers like you that keep us in business. Thank you so much. You might want to show up once in a while. I said, no, we put qualities up on because it's, it's what we stand for. The banners are part of the qualities we stand for, but it also makes it more user-friendly. It also makes it more rentable. There's a practicality to it. I mean, we'd like to have a wedding. Maybe they don't want Gandhi on the banner in the corner. It quiets things down. There's order. God is not flashy. So focus for 30 minutes per day. When you put your brain and body together and dedicate yourself to something, you give yourself a window of opportunity to refine your mind in a way that thinking and reading alone can't compete with. Focusing. These are simple practices that the geniuses throughout the ages have used. It's natural to think that when a musician is focused on practicing a tune, Mitch just took off, and when an artist is absorbed in the painting process, that they're honing their craft and reaping the rewards of their practice in their specific domain. It actually goes further than that. In states of deep focus, when we're being challenged and pushed by an activity, we're honing our general mental machinery too. We're refining our ability to internalize information, and this process presents an intellectual edge that easily transfers over. Learning to learn is one of the most important qualities required in a fast-changing world, and it comes from the ability to intensely focus on something that pushes you to ask more of yourself. Pushes you to ask more of yourself. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's self-selecting. 
It's self-selecting. It's a beautiful thing. Inquiry. I mean, what else would we do? To learn and to look, and when challenges come in our lives, how have I participated in this? And not punish ourselves, as if there's this arbitrary and capricious God saying, you're bad and wrong, and I'm going to give you this. It was so beautiful at the hospital yesterday with, with uh, Gerd Polson. She was there, her daughters and sons and, and, and son-in-laws were there, and, and, and family members, and Arnie, and, and the girls, the granddaughters, all in their 20s, stood around the bed. We all did. And we sang songs to Gerd. It was just beautiful. I thought, wow, I want people singing songs to me if I'm ever in that position. And it was a beautiful, beautiful way to celebrate someone stepping through the threshold into a new life. And Gerd was so deeply grounded in the truth of her being spiritually. I know because Laura and I spent many, many hours with her out in their acreage out in uh, in Devon. This beautiful, beautiful experience, as sad as it is. But it was so beautiful to watch and to to have someone hold true to the tradition, you know, and... uh, and not having, you know, whatever. You know, I can only imagine that I, I'm on my deathbed and I say, well, get a priest in here too and maybe a rabbi, you know, by the way. And, you know, it's just an understanding of truth and integrity. And it just made me proud and so comforted. It's so beautiful when you really, when you can do an affirmative prayer for someone in times like that, to dip into the, the integrity of being and understand and affirm the truth and there's no doubt, you're not, you're not wavering, you're just knowing. And it brings comfort to yourself and to everyone else. Because what happens when we open up in prayer, see, what we want to do here, I think, what I'm called to do, something wants to happen here within our community, within the world. And the, more, the healthier we can be and, to be and to learn how to learn, learning to learn is one of the most important qualities. Dr. Holmes said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. And the more we can create that space, something beautiful can happen. Something beautiful can happen. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in at least moving in that direction and trying. Maybe, maybe the stuff that's going on in, in, in the history of my family is, is unhealable. It's just so horrific, and there's been so many hurts and harms. We'll never get it healed. It's possible. It's possible because it's possible as long as I support that idea. But... You know, I, I shared the story about my grandfather, who was my teacher and my love of my life. And when he died, it was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? The love's gone. We're in trouble. And then I realized at a certain point in my life, it's not about finding that, it's about being that. It's about being that. So, what, what we can do with our families is be about our own business, do our own house cleaning, do our own. Inventory. Look at our cue process. Say, you know what? I get triggered by that. There's something going on in me. What is that? I don't want to get triggered by that anymore. I'd like to get my energy put somewhere else. I can do those things. I can't shift and change my brothers and sisters. I can't force anyone. You can't hold anybody down and give them the noogies on the top of the head and say, you're going to heal now. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? We could have a head noogie class for six weeks and see where it takes us. We got our small groups going to go here. What happens in the small group is we build those connections. We build that integrity and that viewing one another. It's exciting stuff. Amazing program that Mindy Odlin's put together. It's exciting to be part of that, the newness. It's time. It's time. 
Just because it may not ever happen doesn't mean we don't try. What else are we going to do? Sit around and be miserable because the oiler season is in the dumpster? Come on. I want the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup every year too. But they won't put me in the game, so it's probably not going to happen. But we need to hold life lightly. And we need to hold one another lightly. You know, I, I, I adore my brothers and sisters. They don't agree with me spiritually. They don't agree with me economically. I have a couple of them that voted for the other party in the last U.S. election. But I still love them. It's got nothing to do with my extension of love and acceptance. That's their stuff, not mine. I can't fix that, nor should I try. So to have the wisdom, so we don't have to spin out and fix somebody or make somebody wrong. Learning to learn, one of the most important qualities required in a fast-changing world. To daily take the time to meditate and mentally treat the condition, to welcome in the genius that lives within you. What is my particular genius? Because you have it. And to deny it simply says, then it says, what? You've got it. You don't have it. You have it. I have it. It's beautiful and unique. Whether it's a hobby or personal project, it's worth dedicating even just half an hour a day to getting a little better at an intangible, in a tangible and measurable way. It will not only make you more fulfilled, but it will also improve your mind. And so I've got this summary here of these genius skills on a slide. It is, and it begins with, while everyone spends, while everyone spends 10 minutes reflecting, they do not do so deeply. While everyone reads for 20 minutes, they don't read the kind of things worth consuming. And while everyone works on something for 30 minutes, they don't do it so with the aim of purpose and progress without distraction. Most people who we see as smart don't get there suddenly or through magic. They just do little things that are easily neglected by most people. Over time, these little things add up. Not everyone is born a genius, but each and every one of us can get smarter. And that's the truth. No denying that. Each and every one of us can get smarter. So with your, your white slate today, and there's, there's pens in the back. We used to hang them along the, the, the columns there. But there's pens, there's, there's a silver and there's some brown that you can put on this felt-tip pen. And if you know what your word is, write her down. If you don't know what your word is, come back next week. If you, and if you have friends that aren't here this week, we leave the tiles out for several weeks. But it's important because if we don't give this infinite divine intelligence that we are immersed in something more interesting and something more valuable and something that is, can be productive and exciting and wonderful and, 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 and generative and, and powerful and creative, if we don't give it to it, it doesn't get it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. Keep being you and give birth to that genius that lives within you. Give birth to that possibility, that opportunity. Keep diving in to the learning, to the growth, and to the expansion. It not only frees us, it frees our families, our present moment families, and it frees all those people whose energetic we're carrying with us throughout the ages. It's how healing happens. Gary Zukov says it happens in both directions to infinity as we shift and change, and I know that's true. I know that's true. It's such a beautiful opportunity. So what is the simple quality that you're able to tackle this year that will take you to your ideal experience of life, to your, to your, your perfect expression of life, and, and to know that 
It's a gift to yourself and a gift to one another and a gift to God, a gift to spirit, and a gift to source. So I look forward to hearing your words. Behind me, by the way, is our, our words from uh, last year. Noreen Crone Finley wove all of our intentions. I had everybody do too, and she wove them into the uh, fabric right here. It's such a beautiful tapestry, and we brought it out today. It's part of our, uh, our legacy of doing this over and over the years. So if you're, inter- if you're looking for inspiration, you may want to wander up here and take a look. And if you already know, God bless you, and so it is. Thank you.